0: Welcome to the Woman's Own Book Club Guest author of the Month. The very first Woman's Own Book Club guest to be welcomed to the Women's Library in 2024 was Fatima Kara, a Zimbabwean writer now living mainly in the USA. Her debut novel, The Train House on Lobengula Street, grew out of her childhood experiences in the Indian community in Bulawayo, in what was then Rhodesia. And it's her response to the strong women and to the racial discrimination that was extended towards all non-whites in that community at the time. Well, interesting to know also that when not writing, Fatima propagates fruit and nut trees to plant in schools around Zimbabwe. She spoke to Beryl Eichenberger, who asked her first to describe her childhood. I grew up in this uh, vibrant community where I had seven aunts, seven cousins and I was the youngest of seven sisters. There's something magic about that. (laughs) (laughs) And I have vivid memories of all their stories and I didn't go to nursery school. Instead I was nurtured by their stories, their gossip, their jokes and the scandals. So I eavesdropped on many of their conversations and I I really felt that I wanted to write about uh, some of the interesting things that they talked about and just the, the characters and the personalities. Have you
1: based the characters on your aunts, your cousins, your siblings, or very loosely, or are they
0: a mix of them? I based it very loosely on them, but I did a lot of research and I spoke to many of them you know in interviews and what I did is I made composite characters mm-hmm. I listened to their dialogue I, I checked their personal histories, the things that made you know made them tick, and then I worked on the characters the
1: the Indian community in southern Rhodesia was very small. The, the book actually starts in 1969, but we're going to go there just now. But the main character, Coulson, arrives there in the 1940s. So it was a tiny community then. But it's a very important part of Rhodesian history, which hasn't been really documented. So you were drawn to it through your family. But why do you think it hasn't been documented?
0: I'm not sure why it hasn't been documented, but that's something that really motivated me. Because as I spoke to senior members in the community, I was fascinated by the things they told me. And I just felt that, you know, these are very important stories, and important stories are universal. And it was just very important for me to l- write their stories. I, I, I want to hear some of the
1: stories, in fact, that you might have been told of what it was like to arrive in a strange country where there was a very small community and how the Indian community
0: adapted. And did they integrate? I wanted to write about the women characters mm-hmm. mainly and I wanted to capture their everyday life so I asked lots of questions and some of the things they told that that I learned is that the adjustment to life in Balawayo was very difficult to begin with but they got together and tried to make a life that was that would work so you had instances like there would be Hindi bioscopes that would arrive on these big reels, mm. and the whole community would come together on a Sunday evening, where the cinema, where the cinema, where the Indians were allowed to screen their movies, and this is what helped them to bond with the mother country. And many of the women took their fashion designing and their sewing from the movies. They'd watch the movies and then... Um, Bollywood. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't called Bollywood. No, then. not in those days. <laughs> yeah. And and they also copied the, the dancing and they listened to the music and when they had an Indian wedding, they, they would choreograph for their own entertainment. They'd choreograph the dancers having watched the... Indian bicycles.
1: And you bring this beautifully into the book, so there are characters who... Let's talk about Culsa, why she came to Bulawayo, and her husband, and that family that she comes into, because it wasn't easy for her, but she was very tough, and yeah, she rose above so much in the family. Let's talk about those main
0: characters. Okay, so Hulsam was in the village of Hunyana in Gujarat, in western Gujarat, and she was having a very difficult time with her in-laws. So when her husband Razak decided that they would travel, she was very happy to start a new mm-hmm. life. And it was difficult because she had left her sisters and her father. Her mother had died earlier. And so when she came she really wanted this new her new in-laws to she wanted to fit in with them she wanted to be a part of them she didn't want to she really wanted to please them so for her it was so important that she she manages a new life with them but it was tough going it was really tough going because for her you have no roots if you don't have a family how can you live if you don't have your blood relations? Mm-hmm. So she would sacrifice far more than Razak, and just keep quiet. Like there's an incident when her father-in-law makes advances, to yes, her and she doesn't even tell her husband about it because she feels that you know, no, this is the only family we have. We have got to make a life with them. And how can I bring up children without a fam- without grandparents? And so she, yes, she, and it was very difficult for her. And she
1: finds solace in the ground because, in fact, I saw her as the businesswoman. She was the one that had the business head much more than Razak and even more than his father because tell us about the business they had.
0: They had a masala shop and um, Abba, Kulsim's father-in-law, ran it very efficiently. He worked very hard. And he really wanted to please his white clientele. And when Gulsum was able to plant herbs and spices, she took them into the shop to earn money. But then what happened is that they left the masala shop, but she still had that idea of growing vegetables and making a business from it. And she does. Yes. But it was...
1: Rhodesia, as it was then, was... Colonial racism segregation. How did that affect the Indian community?
0: I think the men, the Indian men, were more affected by it because they had to fit into, you know, the racist community with the restrictions. They uh, the whites were allowed to go into industry and farming, and uh, the only field open to Indian people were was being a merchant. So they had designated areas, and that's where they were able to operate from. For the men, they had to negotiate a lot of difficult situations, but they wanted to be successful. They wanted to give their children a better life. In addition, right at the very beginning, the Indian community knew that they would put in their lot with the, with the black nationalists. And with the activists, so in the 1940s, they began to provide safe houses for activist leaders. They helped them with. Well, this was more like in the 50s and 60s when the, the activists went into uh, were at detention centers. It was the Indian community who made sure that the wives and the children had money, groceries and school uniforms Mm -hmm. and they paid the school fees as well so they did not take it lying down they did not take the racism lying down they 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 fought for their human dignity and they fought with the black people for it
1: and there's the lovely character of the barber i really loved amar because he was just i'm going to do what i want to do and i'm going to do it my way tell us a little bit about him and where did he come from Was there somebody that inspired you?
0: As a small child, I remember the barber coming to the house on a Sunday morning and my father having a haircut on the veranda. And I would listen to the conversation. And it it was in Gujarati, but by then I already understood Gujarati. And it was fascinating. I was just fascinated by what they were talking about and all. But then I fictionalized and m- m- let him, made him have his own little barber shop. And I had a lot of fun making him into the character. <laughs> he, he
1: is a fun character. He's unconventional because one of the other strong women is his partner, Rani. Yes. And that's a whole different situation in terms of his partner... And his wife.
0: Mm. His, his wife was very caste conscious and she didn't think it, it was important at all to support black people because she was a Brahmin and she only was interested in looking after and helping Brahmins. And this really aggravated him. And so that's why he then decided that she can live in the main house and he had, a, he had his mistress immoral. <laughs> he had his mistress in the, in, in the back of the yard where he had a little cottage. But I, I think she was really awful, the wife. Yes, she was dreadful, dreadful. Yeah. I really wanted to smack and, and her. You, <laughs> and, and, and you did,
1: you felt sympathy for before. <clears throat> Very much so. But that brings us to the question of caste and arranged marriages because the book starts actually in 1969 when Kulsum and some of her children are going up to Uganda to marry off the son, bring him back, but then she brings back her elder daughter. Talk to that a little bit.
0: So Kulsum went to Uganda to see her daughter. She she knew that she had to really stand up for her because nobody else would. The whole caste system in the early part of the 20th century... It was very much a part of the culture, and it was unheard of, you know, for, for women to not marry, for men and women to not marry within the caste. That has evolved over time, and when you look at the situation today, it's more, the arranged marriages are more negotiated, and the women and the men have some say, even though the parents will introduce them, But they have choice, and they are able to to say no. They, They can choose. They can say no if they want to. Yeah,
1: so that was... But Coulson's strength also was in the fact that she wanted all her daughters, all her children, to be educated. So education is the pivot of the book as well, as well as the soil which we're going to come to. But
0: that Coulson was illiterate. Yes. Coulson was illiterate, and she knew the benefit of education. She also, in her own way, did not want her daughters to be dependent on men. And how do you get over that? You you educate women so that they can stand on their own two feet. And so she, that was very uh, vital for her.
1: And they were all educated, but it was also at
0: some huge costs, wasn't it, for Kulsum herself? Yes, because you know, Razak and his father and the patriarchs were afraid that if the women were too educated they would not find husbands within the caste Mm -hmm. and so they, they were not so keen to have them too educated but Kulsum didn't see that far and also it's a cruel irony that the fact that she educated them actually prevented them from finding husbands in Rhodesia because that was the ideal situation, that you have your daughters nearby, not send them to another country. Mm-hmm. And they went to another country because their caste was in, Bel- in, in, in Rhodesia and in Uganda. So that's why they traveled all the way to Uganda to get their daughters married.
1: For the men, they were absolutely steeped in tradition, weren't they? So this actually limited their growth in many ways. The women seemed to me to be much more open and much more welcoming. Let's talk about the men a little bit and their limiting their growth. And then let's talk about the women and how they welcome. I mean, I, I love the character of Mrs. Holmes, the white woman, who comes to tea. And she doesn't care that, in fact, you know, she's sitting on an Indian person's veranda. The relationships that the women built up, and perhaps the men
0: didn't. You see, it, the situation was different because the, the men did build up relationships, but that was in the, in the business mm. field. Sure. But with the <clears throat> women, the one thing I really wanted to bring out, you know, which which was my lived experience, was that there was a great deal of cross-cultural uh, living. So Lakshmi is a Hindu woman, and Nurse is, is colored, Mrs. Holmes is white, and they are the best of friends. They, they have deep and abiding friendships, so they look after each other, they work together and I wanted to portray that
1: and you did very well I I sort of saw the men in more of an enclave except in business and the women were much more open Would you like to read a little bit so that you get a sense of the style of the
0: writing The characters in this reading are Hulsum's husband Razak his friend Amir Baba nurse and Lakshmi. They are having a discussion about education in Amar Baba's garden. The episode takes place after Razat ignores Kulsam's pleas to send their daughters to English school. Nurse tells Kulsam to back off and leave it to her. Nurse took a long puff on a cigarette and blew out a cloud of smoke. For some moments, there was complete silence, and Nurse stared into the sky. Razak looked at Amar. You, Nurse, Lakshmi, are not Muslim. You have no idea what responsibilities the father of a Muslim girl has. So, stay at home and pray your namaz, Amar said. Why would you want to throw in your lot? With the nationalist struggle, when you behave like a dinosaur, saying girls must not go to school, you need your head tested. Charity begins at home, Lakshmi said. Okay, tell us why you don't want the girls to go to school, nurse said from the comfort of the hammock. No other Muslim girls are going to English school. Wrong, nurse said and began counting on her fingers. Eight Bilawayo Muslim families send their girls to school. Razak, feeling the heat, stood up and paced up and down. It's an expense I cannot easily afford, he said. An expense? Kulsam's vegetable business is doing just fine, nurse said. She can pay the children's school fees. One after the other, they demolished his threadbare excuses. Razakpa, we are living in a new country, Lakshmi said. Times are changing. If women are educated, they can stand on their own two feet. Life presents strange twists and turns. It's our duty as parents to prepare our children for life. And we do that by educating our young ones. Ah, Lakshmi, you're a good soul, Amar said. Whiskey glass in hand. Don't have any expectations of this backward chap. Leave him to watch Hindi biscopes and sing songs. Actually, we should pack him off to Hunyana. He belongs in the village. The only sound was the tinkling of a prayer bell and a sweet voice singing evening prayers. "'Everywhere you look, Razak, there's a battle to be fought. "'We all have battles to fight, "'but it's the wise man who picks the right battle,' Nurse said. "'So, what's the procedure for registering Zora and Rihanna?' Razak asked, and Amr, in amazement, "'dropped his glass of whiskey so that the glass shattered. First. You tell Coulson what your decision is, and then I'll do the registration, Nurse said, smiling. <laughs> That's lovely, thank you. And, and of course, it brings
1: us back to Coulson and her vegetables and the love of the soil, which I know, and very quickly, I want to touch on Jabalani, who I think is a very pivotal character. I, I wanted to know more about him. He was on the periphery, but he was always there. He was the most loyal African man that they could have ever had. Was there somebody
0: that you, you based that on, or how did he come about? Just basically, we grew up with with a worker who just devoted his, his life to all of us. But then I fictionalized. Uh, I used my imagination and fictionalized it, and... Kulsum and Jabulani bonded. They were both magical gardeners, and they used the earth to produce so much. And for the family, that actually
1: kept them afloat. Yes. Most of the time. But that leads me, and it will be the last question that we have, into the project that you have in Zimbabwe. Oh, now I want to ask one more question. Why the train
0: house? Okay, so so the the train house, there's a story behind it. The plot of land was long and narrow, and although it was close to the city center and was a was in a valuable area, n- nobody wanted to build on it because, you know, it was just not attractive to purchasers. But Coulson saw its potential, and she she had travelled from the coast of Africa to Bulawayo on a long train journey. And this was... Uh, she, she, real, she saw that, that the whole shape of the train could accommodate life in a house. And so it represented both a metaphorical and a physical journey that Coulson had made. And then the, the Lobengula Street part of it Is that we? It was the hub of the community, Mm -hmm. and we walked back and forth from school twice a day, sometimes three times a day. And we knew all the shopkeepers, and uh, we had our favorite stores. Mine was the bead shop. Her sister's was the was the sweet shop, and uh, and so we. It it was just such an important a buzzy street. Yeah, it was.
1: Tell us about the project. I mean. There's so much about the soil and growth and trees and uh, particularly the fruit trees, absolutely wonderful. The project that you are doing in Zimbabwe now as a result, which it hasn't grown out of this book, it's obviously grown out of what you learned as a child. Yes.
0: Um, As a child, we grew up in a very big garden. We spent a lot of our time in the garden and there were all sorts of uh, fruit trees and I remember interviewing people and they would tell me about how they would get the seeds for exotic trees like there was a tree called a gunda which they used for pickling and then a jackfruit it's a, mm. you know, the jackfruit is a big big fruit and they would wait for people to come from India with the seeds and then they'd grow them and even even the mango You had specific varieties that were used for pickling, specific ones that were used for making juice, and they were used to that from India, so they were were quite diligent in that they wanted those seeds, and they grew them, and and, and we ate from from the garden. We also had lots of mulberry, fig, banana, nachi, Mm. Peach, Yum. and all, all those things. <laughs> but I learned, I learned about planting from when I was very little, because you know I was fascinated at about how you could grow a fig tree just from a cutting. Mm. And so it came from there. At present, I'm still working on my project that I started twenty years ago. We had a drought the year my daughter was born. There were children starving because they just they didn't have in the in, in many areas and I just made a promise that I would plant as many trees as I could so I've been working in Matabili land outside Bulawayo, in 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 Kulumane and I had the privilege of working with community leaders who, who took me around to the schools where I donated the trees so I began planting the trees in little fruit trees in Harari and then taking them over to Bulawayo. but at the moment it's just too difficult so I've moved from there to uh, to Harari and planting them outside in Harari schools and uh, the, the project is going well because they had masters they had mistresses they really work hard and they're sincere and and they and the children are, are being the fed. The families are being fed. Yes, and the situation is sometimes very difficult there because mm-hmm. the children don't have enough to eat. But if they have a vegetable garden at the school, then the the unemployment is very high. So the the mothers and some of the fathers come in to, to cook the the meal at lunchtime and feed it to the children. Wonderful yeah. project,
1: Fatima. Thank you so much this morning for coming through to us, and it's the Train house on Loingula Street. It's by Fatima Kara and it's it's published by Envelope Books and distributed by Blue Weaver. Thank you. <laughs>